Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. And good evening and welcome, welcome, welcome. If you are trying to figure out how to get a recipe together for tonight's dinner, you have locked into the wrong show. If you're trying to figure out how you're going to get the ticks out of your dog, you are on the wrong show. However, if you want to know about Bay Area sports, and if you want to know about the San Francisco 49ers, then you are locked in, baby. You have your game face on. I am Richard DeRazor Ewing. I'm with my co-host, Mike DeShue-Schumann. Mike, what do we got tonight? Well, uh, the Believe Talent Network does have those kind of shows, so I haven't heard that <laughs> intro yet. Very good. Joining us today, former 49er all-world cornerback Eric Davis, second-round pick in 1990, Jacksonville State. Now, most people would think that's in Florida, but that's in Alabama. Three-time All-Pro, two-time Pro Bowler, Super Bowl 19 champion, of course, 1994 season. And he's one of those quarterbacks that didn't mind hitting 14 forced fumbles. I know you take yeah. pride in 38 picks, five defensive touchdowns. And here's one you might not even know, Eric. You are the all-time leader in consecutive NFL playoff games with at least one interception. Five yeah, no, I, you know, people say that. I'm like, I don't know. It's like, really? Did that happen? Yeah. But, but hey, I'll take it. All right, <laughs> 94 know? NFC title game, third play of the game, gets the Cowboys, pick six, 44 yards, furthest you've ever run in pass. And <laughs> not true. Four, I played offense, and I played offense growing up. I've run right. farther. <laughs> and forced a fumble later in the game, Michael Irvin. That led to a touchdown. So uh, that was the number one ranked defense back then. So, Eric, thanks for joining us. And uh, right out of the shoot, you know, we've talked uh, NBA, the bubble. We've talked Major League Baseball with Bill mm-hmm. Lasky about how that's working out. They're having struggles there. And now the NFL is on deck. And I know just talking with you briefly and uh, following you on Twitter – you, like myself, I'm not sure this is going to work. What's your feeling? I just find it very difficult to find a way to um, keep this going, um, especially if you are going to follow the protocol and and really subjectively check the guys and do what's right by the guys who are sick. Um, let's just give you the scenario that came down last season. Uh, you're going you, – you play the games. You get to the end of the season. The, the Niners reached the month of December, and every game they played and every game the Seattle Seahawks played was for first place in the NFC. It was for home field advantage. Okay, let's say we get to December and Kittle tests positive. And, and let's just say that uh, Trent Williams tests positive and Sherm tests positive. Russell Wilson tests positive. 
are you going to tell anyone? That's what I'm saying. Are, are you really going to take into account that we could lose these players for three weeks easily or we could get home field advantage and win a championship? Uh, because I'm not even going to say guys aren't going to get sick. Guys are going to get sick. <laughs> okay? We know that. Guys are going to test positive. How accurate are you going to be uh, with your testing and how honest are you going to be with the results? That's the part that scares me. Shoot, we played the game. I know there's a whole lot of things that happened to me that never hit the injury uh, sheet. Right. It's not going to hit the list. We right. all know that. So this is just another one of those things that, okay, well, a guy lost some time. It, well, you know, he's got a bad, you know, he, 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 he tweaked his back or he's got a hamstring. Is that really what's going on? So that's the part of it that gets me. How are you going to do this if a team comes up and let's just any team, I don't care what the team is, the, the Baltimore Ravens go into it and their offensive line is sick. It, it could easily happen. Do you do you go into that important game with all your backups playing? So that's I don't I I just find it very difficult the way things are structured to to see getting through this season. Well, to your point, you know, me and Shu talked about this a lot when we uh, came on uh, the beginning of the season, and even when COVID shut everything down, Eric, we we saw this and we thought, okay, first and foremost, and I've said this time and time again, and I'm gonna keep saying it because it's, it's a very valid point. I mean. You know, I basically play sports, you know, coach sports, love to watch sports. I watched you run all over the field and cause havoc for teams. I loved it. Loved it. But the thing is, and I've said this again, I got a problem with somebody going out here and entertaining me, and there's a chance that they could die from it. You know what I mean? Well, 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 there's a chance you can die playing football anyway. Yeah, that's it's a gladiator sport. <laughs> But if you so, never, so that part of it, uh, let, let me jump in right. Here. That part of it shouldn't bother you, um, because that's what ball players do. Football players put themselves in harm's way every single game. You can literally not leave that field, okay? And you know that as a player. So yeah. that's a part of the fearlessness that you have to have. I so my thing is not a question of um, you know guys could possibly lose their life. It's it's for me the, the 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 answer the question is, do you have protocol in place that is going to do the best possible job of keeping them safe? That's all I ask because you can't take away the danger of, <laughs> of football, even with COVID nineteen. You can't take away the danger if you decide to play, but you can, just like with injury and everything else, you can try to put rules and protocol in place that says, this is what we have to do to keep everyone safe. That's the only thing I'm questioning as to whether or not they're doing. So you're talking about the, the whole thing, and I, I understand where you're coming from too, because you're talking about the fact that there was, there was what was it, a few years ago, one of the big talk with the NFL and whatnot, they even continue was the concussion protocol. Um, the fact that, you know, you had players that were, that were getting concussions and it was, you know, really causing, you know, a strain mentally. You've seen different players react to it differently. So to your point, I get that. But this is kind of different in the fact that once they leave that field, okay, and mm -hmm. they, they do become positive, now you're talking about the possibility of family members getting, getting infected. See, that, oh, yes. that's, that's where I, I got a problem with that. 
Because if it was just them, it's like, okay, look, you made the choice to go out there. You knew what was going on. And yes, protocols are, are, are there. However, now we're not just talking about those. We're talking about the fact that, hey, when you go home, you can infect your sister, your brother, your mom, grandmother, grandfather. And now that becomes very, very serious. Uh, well, uh, of course it's serious, but you also, if you have the protocol in place where you're testing these guys, like they say, they're testing them all the time, mm-hmm. then you should know that you are positive. You should be informed by it, and then you should be quarantined from your family. Right. So, so, so that's what I'm saying. I, actually, in my opinion, this is what I said, that the NFL has enough money. Well, we all know. We all know the big boys club. I mean, to get into that tree house, you got to have a lot of dollars. Oh, they yeah. have enough. They have enough money to make certain that they have protocol in place that's testing these players all the time. In my opinion, these NFL players should be safer than anyone because, and their family should be safer than anyone because these guys should know that I got sick on this day at this time because the testing should be in place. If not, they've been lying because you're supposed to be positive before you walk into these buildings, into the facilities. I mean, you're supposed to be negative before you walk into these facilities. They're supposed to be checking all the time. If they do that, players should be fine and their family should be fine. So all I'm saying is make certain that you're doing the things that you say you're going to do as opposed to doing the things that are necessary that all teams do to win games. <laughs> okay? Okay. That's well, all I think- I'm saying. Yeah, and all of us, I mean, it'd be a tough decision if we were playing right now, for instance. You know, if you got a young kids in your family, do you want to go play? A lot of some guys are opting yeah. out. 49ers don't think anybody's going to opt out. Uh, number one. Number well, two. Well, you know, oh, shoot, shoot. No one opts out of a championship. That's why. No, they think no. you, have, you think you have a chance to win a championship. That's why. Well, is, yeah, they're, they're in that window. So, um, and number two, like, for instance, uh, Philly's head coach, Doug Peterson, tested positive. So I don't think the protocols are quite where they need to be right now. For instance, your head coach gets it. He's got a quarantine for 14 days, which is two games. You know, who's going to take over there? You got a That's coach. my point. You got a, you know, and you remember one guy got the flu, 10 guys had it in the locker room. Uh-huh. So it's got to be protocol for replacing these players, getting them healthy. And, uh, and it can, you know, you talk about there's danger, but, this could have lifelong effects with your heart, your organs, and things of this nature if your yeah. body reacts to it. So, I don't know. If you had to make a choice right now as a player, would you choose to go back and play? And, Depend- and let well, me it, it, that uh, because, like, a lot of guys that are opting out get 150 grand to a 350 mm-hmm. and it's taken out of their salary for next year. So, some guys with no mini camps, no OTAs, no training camps know they're not going to make the team. I'll take that 150 as a fringe player and walk away and come back next year. So a lot of guys who are opting out, I think are more fringe players like this. So, but would you, do you think you would come back and play this year if you were still playing? It depends on which Eric you're asking. If you're asking, uh, you know, a rookie Eric Davis. So rookie that's trying to make the team, would I play? Of course I would. This is my dream to get into the NFL. I'm going to try to do it. Um, A young player, second, third year in the league, of course I'm going to do it because you're still trying to climb that ladder and do things. Now you ask a 10-year veteran, Eric Davis, that understands the game, that's the, the business, who's been, um, you know, one of the team reps. 
um, you, you know, or, you know, your player rep and all of these type things that you understand what this league is all about and the business of the league. Now you have to start thinking about it because, yes, you're thinking about your family. You're thinking about, you know, life after you're, you're, you're to that point. Shoot, you know, those first few years, you think you're invincible. Right. Yeah, you start you reach a point to where you start to see that there is life after and you start to think about the quality of that life after. So as an older player, like you see Chung and guys like that up in New England where they're saying, you know what, I can pass on this one because I still have talent to play. It's not like you're going to come in next year and say, we don't want you, right. <laughs> you know, you're, you're still going to get it may not be in New England, but you're going to get a job. You know that. So well, I'm, Odell Beckham, Odell Beckham talked about that today. Just what you're talking about—a veteran yes. player doesn't need the money, and he yes. doesn't think play. Yeah, and and you look at it, and you and you start to tell yourself as a veteran player, um, if and this would be the—it's the same thing we talked about. Would a veteran? So I already told you, a young Eric Davis. Of course, I do it. A veteran right. Eric Davis, you have to show me the same way you have rules in place, you have the protocol in place that this is the way the game is played, these are the things that are supposed to do, and this is, this is the platform in which you play the game, that you have a chance to succeed or fail. You have to show me, as far as my health, that you have something in place that is actually workable, tangible, and you're not just pulling it out of, out of your tail. Then I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm in. I'm going to play. I'm a ball player. I'm going to play when you give me a chance. If you're just making it up as you go, no, no. Give give me the three fifty, and um, we'll. I'll see you next. See you, I'll next, see you next. See you next year. Yeah. Well, watching watching the 49ers walk in uh, on local television, it, it's almost like it didn't even cross their mind that COVID is there. You know, they're coming off a Super Bowl loss. They want to get back to the Super Bowl. You know, they're on their revenge tour. And I think you know a majority of those uh, players that they're just they're just balls yeah. to the wall, ready to play football. Yeah. That, that's true. Now, first of all, that revenge tour thing to me is absolutely hilarious. That's that's I'm like, there's no such thing. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, you lost. Not. You lost. You lost last year. This season has nothing to do with last season. So your revenge of what? What? What are you revenging? You don't get. You don't get to play them. You don't. There, there's no. There's no. No. Um. One in one a Super Bowl. You, right. You, there is no revenge tour, so yeah. you need to throw that away. You can well, come back. Not only that, Eric, to your point, you look at the fact that, hey, when these guys do come back to play, okay, the players they played with last year, some of those guys ain't there. Thank so, you. So you – so you, and by the way, the guy you're upset with that caught that touchdown over you in the He's G- not there. He's probably not there. So and, what, what revenge are you thinking you're going to get? You're not. That, yeah, that's the thing about football. There – Every single season, and I've told people this forever, we all know this, every season is different. Every, every locker room is different. The chemistry, the chemistry changes. When you bring in one guy, you take out a guy. The offensive huddle with Trent Williams at the left tackle, yeah, he's good. I personally think he's an upgrade. As much as I love Joe Staley, I think Trent's better. He's, he's a fantastic player. But the chemistry, the personality, it's different. So that changes things. Yeah. So that that it's it's all different every single season. It's a different group of guys. And even the funny thing, even when you play with the same guys, I played with Tim McDonald and Merton Hanks for years and years and years. But that, their personality was different every year. Right. My personality 
was different every year. As you do things and you accomplish things and, and you learn more about the other guys, it all changes. So that revenge tour thing, yeah, no, I mean, these guys are coming in. They're ready to play. I know a lot of that is to talk yourself up because you didn't right. win the year before. I get it. Been there. Losing to Dallas killed me. I get it. And, you know, and I, you know, like I said before, after 93 when we lost in Dallas, I literally took two days off. I took two days off and went back to working out because I was like, I can't take this. I got to find a way to get better to do that. So I understand that, but they need to start with this revenge tour. Nobody cares. <laughs> no, well, no. I, and thinking about what you're saying with no many camps, OTAs or um, training camp, basically preseason games, you know, that's when you develop that chemistry yes. that you're talking about every year. So it's going to be a little tougher, you know, for them to do just that. And uh, I don't think, they're not going to be on the same page as they think they are when they start next year, if they even start next year. So, all right, let's talk about the team a little bit. Uh, the big story is, uh, uh, well, they brought in Trent Williams to replace Joe Staley. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, of course, uh, Kittle is the one they're trying to get signed up. Yeah. And players are slotted per their position as to how much they can get paid. This so is true. We talked about, uh, Richard and I, that – Shanahan has more players like Debo Samuel, Kittle, that are more like weapons. They're not specifically receivers or tight ends. You know, they'll run a jet screen, let Debo carry the ball. Kittle does mm. a lot of things. And uh-huh. uh, so, and I think, too, with not sure what the salary cap's going to be the following year, they're going to kind of wait and see before they sign him up. What's your feeling? Do you give him more than he slotted for, which is 12 to 14, or – uh, just let him play out his contract and uh, tag him a couple years and go from there. Uh, well, there are two ways to look at it. Number one, when you say that these guys aren't um, slotted by their position, uh, well, yes, they are. They have one. It doesn't it – doesn't, if you look at the roster, it's going to say tight end for right. Kittle. It's going to say wide receiver for Debo. Right. They have a position. And those but positions that's changing in the league, though. I, I, well, it hasn't changed on the rosters yet. So, yeah, as right. long as it's on the rosters, when you go to negotiate, it's going to come into play. Right. It's like I, I can't play corner and say, you know what, but I could play quarterback. I could possibly play <laughs> it, and I want quarterback money. So, yeah. that's what happened. You have a slot, you right. have a position. It's the same thing I was telling everybody about everyone about Mostert when I was like, he has no leverage to get a new contract. Because he's a special teamer. They don't consider him. And everyone's like, well, he's the starter. He's the best runner. I'm like, no, he's not the starter. The Niners don't even list him as a starter. Even when he starts. Yes. Even if if he takes the first snap, they don't list him as the starter. They don't view him as a starter. So back to Kittle. Um, Kittle, this is the thing that guys got to understand. You're on your rookie contract. You have far, you have far, far, excel beyond the expectations of anyone i don't yeah. i never want to hear this nonsense when guys talk about how great and i told someone they were talking about john lynch and the great job he did and all this stuff i was like no john you get lucky with kittle i was like i can't give john lynch credit for kittle i said i can't give him credit for bosa i was like there's every gm in the league at number two would have drafted bosa right every gm in the, i said now kittle if you thought kittle was going to be that good you would have drafted him before the fifth round you would right. not have given you a there's no way. So with that being said, Kittle has he has exceeded expectations, but 
I can. You're still a tight end. This is the bar. Shoot, this is the thing that you that you know you've played enough football. Tight end is it's an important position. But can I win a championship without the best tight end in the league? Can I can I win a championship without the best tight end? Yes, I can. I don't have to have the best tight end. And that's the problem about that position. It's like the right guard position, left guard. It's like, it does, does having the best one make me a better team? Yes. But can I still compete at the highest level without that guy? Yes, I can. And that's where Kittle is. So understand, I get the whole weapon thing and all of this stuff and all that, but you're still a tight end. So I can make you. I can make you the highest paid tight end because we can say we can have the argument. I don't have it with anyone that says Kittle's the best tight end in the league. Okay, I'm not even going to try to fight you on that. But the best tight end in the league, the highest paid tight end, makes ten million. Am I going to pay him ten million more than the other guy? No, because no. what happened? Because this is the thing that you got to understand that people got to look at the salary cap and is probably going to regress. <laughs> Right. And who do you lose? Because think about this championship window that the Niners are in right now. They have a chance to compete for championships for probably the next three, maybe four seasons if done correctly, where you can look at this team and this roster, and it's a good one with young guys that you can compete for championships. Can you give up five, six million dollars of calories of, of, um, of um, salary cap space for Kittle? Because if you do, you don't keep Trent Williams, okay? You there on the, you got to start looking at it because if you pay Kittle fifty, people are talking about he should get sixteen, seventeen, eighteen million dollars. No, Trent, then you're gonna have if you do that, then Trent Williams is gonna have to get twenty, twenty five. Yeah, right. okay. It's going to it's going to destroy your cap. And I, I'm gonna go back to where I said you can. I, I love Kittle. I want Kittle to be here, but if you pay Kittle, if you pay him, the highest paid tight end is getting ten million. Eleven, you give Kittle, as I said before, thirteen million. Not only are you paying him for his position, you are paying him above market, and you're eating up some cap salary cap space. But you are also saying that we are taking care of one of our own. I think that is more than enough. Um, I don't think you should exceed that number. Uh, and he'll take it. He should take it. He, I, I think that. I, I think that that if they get a, anything above twelve, he's crazy not to take. Okay, this is the thing that that bothers me about this because because say you do that, say you give him thirteen mil, okay, and his agent balks because his agent is thinking, hey, you know what? In two seasons. The next tight end is going to get 15 to 16, okay? Well, he's my, – my, that's how it works. My guy is worth that right now. He, he's, going to, he's going to argue the point, hey, you're uh, in the bowl because my tight end, who I represent, okay, hey, put up this many numbers, and he's the number two tight end in the entire league. Well, that's – what Argument. I don't agree with you. I agree with you. I think you're right. I think, I think at the end of the day, if you give him 13, it's like, hey, he should take it. But – but – we seen this. We seen this movie before. Happened with Mostert. Okay, prime example. Okay, didn't like what was going on. Decided listening to his agent. Oh, uh, you know what? I want to be traded. It was like, dude, really? Come on. 
you 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 got to this <laughs> because the coach put you in a prime position for you to shine, and you did, and that's good. But to, to pop off and say, "Oh, I want to be trainers, I get more money," this type of thing, it's like, well, no, you probably should do what you think is going to be best for your career, because in the career area, you're right. He takes a thirteen million. He's going to be a niner for the next two to three seasons. They still have the ability to, to put keep themselves in the driver's seat for the title. And guess what? You, you can re-sign Trent Williams and, 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 and re-sign all the other people you need, all the other pieces you need. So, so, so my, my biggest problem that I have with him coming at him that way is the agents. They, they cause three times more of a problem for situations like this. Shu and I was talking about this the other day. There shouldn't be no more. What is it? What what what, what did the uh, 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 the quarterback for uh, for uh, the Chiefs? Mahomes. 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 My goodness, really? Ten years? Come on, Mahomes ain't gonna play no ten years. Come on. That's well, 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 no, well, no, yeah, well, guys, understand the contract. The contract has nothing to do. Well, for first of all, I want to go back to what you just said about what someone's worth. No one gets paid what they're worth. Kittle won't get paid what he's worth. His agent can't say this is what he's worth. You get paid what you negotiate. Nobody gets paid what they're worth. And you get and you negotiate based on the leverage that you have. Kittle does not have Kittle, as good as he is. You can say he's the number one, number two um, in the league at, at the tight end position. He doesn't have the leverage to negotiate a $20 million deal. They know that that's monopoly money. Why? Because no one, this is the reason why, there is not a single team, the other 31 teams will not pay you $20 million because the highest paid tight end in the league gets $10 million. No one's going to pay you 20 So that's monopoly money. It's not even real. I don't uh. even have to think about it. So when you say go back to, like, the agent messing you up, agents work for you. You don't work for the agent. So this is – nobody – is going to pay them. The Niners don't have to pay him that kind of money. No. Um, you don't have to think about it. And when you say his agent can say, well, you, he's the reason you got to the Super Bowl. No, he's not. The defense is the reason you got to the Super Bowl. There's, <laughs> there, are too, there are too many negotiating points for the Niners to say no. And then I can look at the history of the league. Even you think about Tom Brady and the greatness of Gronk and all of this stuff. Tom Brady won a whole lot more games and Super Bowls with Gronk off the field than he did with Gronk on the field, okay? So you don't have to have the best tight end, I'm going back to that, to win right. a championship. But you, well, got, you need a – go ahead. Go ahead, Shu. You've seen him play. He's an injury waiting to happen the way he plays because he just doesn't protect himself. And I think they thought that because they brought in Jordan Reed today from the Redskins also. Shanahan drafted him when he was there. Uh, One-year deal. He's 30 years old. He's had seven concussions. So if he stays healthy, he'd be a good, reliable backup. And I think they take with Debo out, they're going to play a lot more two tight ends. So I think they brought Reed in for that reason. Let's move on to the cornerbacks. I think okay. that's kind of uh, Richard Sherman a little long in the tooth, uh, playing in that zone coverage. He got burned man-to-man in both playoff games. And, uh, you know, Witherspoon and Mosley on the other side. Who, what do you like about the cornerback position with the Niners? Is Richard Sherman, does he have another year in him or not? Uh, well, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely the most excited. I keep being asked, um, who am I most excited to see play? And I say Sherm um, because I'd like to see if Sherm uh, – everyone's talking about long in the tooth and all this stuff. Sherm was all pro last year. I know. That, 
shoot, last I checked, that means he's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so I'm okay with Sherm. I have absolutely no problem with Sherm. I personally would like for Sherman to move to safety uh, because I think Sherm, I think Sherm will be a Pro Bowl safety. I, I, I think, I think moving Sherm to safety, you're going to see the same things you saw out of uh, Merton Hanks. You, if if you move him, you will have a player that um, just makes it very difficult on defenses because he he'll be rangy enough. We know he'll come up and hit. He understands football. He's he knows how to play the ball in space and make plays. Um, and it's going to give you another huge cover guy in the middle of the field and, and playmaking ability in the middle of the field. So I would like to see that. So, But right now, I'm not saying that because Sherm can't play corner. I like Sherm. He's um, got What's that? He's got another year at that position. Yes, he definitely does. And then with Mosley, Mosley is going to – E-Man – I like some of the things that I saw. I still – and he'll learn. I mean, you can't bite on anything on fourth and 15. I mean, he, he just played that play wrong. Um, and that's a young player. And when I was a young player, I did some of the same stuff. I right. remember I, I remember the first game I ever got bitched, benched in was the third game of my career. It was the first game in my entire life I had ever got benched in. And it was I blew a coverage when we were playing the Washington Redskins, the third game of the season – in Candlestick Park, second or third game, something like that. It was early, and I flat out just blew a coverage. And Art Monk scores where I just blew the coverage, and it was when George – and George literally told me to go – George Seifert said, go sit down over there because I do not want to see you the rest of the day. I told you all day long, and I didn't play. That's that's the only only game in my life that I was ever benched. And it Who was replaced that- you? Um, I have no idea. Yeah, I have no so, idea who it was. You were so mad you couldn't even taste. Yes, yes. So, e, so E Man will learn from that. Um, Spoon, what about Witherspoon? Well, that's where I was going. Spoon he's, he's has built like term. Spoon, Spoon has everything physically to be a high end corner. He has everything that you need to be a high end corner. He's got to get out of his own head. Um, yeah. what happened? What happened to Spoon? is that he came in, he was grinding through preseason. All the things we were talking about they don't get this year. He was grinding through camp, grinding through preseason, making plays, came off early in the season, made plays, and then what happened? He got hurt. And a young player doesn't realize that the game doesn't slow down. The game has no feelings. It doesn't care how you feel. It doesn't care that you were injured. Everyone else is playing. And he came back, and nobody was waiting for him to play himself back into shape. And then it got into his head. I mean, yeah. and it happens to everyone. Joe Staley came back, and good luck. The first day he came back, and and they had Seattle, and um, and um, oh boy, what's his name? I can't even think of his name right now. Did that was up in Seattle that just destroyed uh, Joe Staley. Clown, clowny, 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 yeah. clowny just destroyed Staley. But Staley, being a vet, you saw him the next week better. Next week he's back to being Staley. Spoon couldn't do that, so. I like Spoon. I'm not one of those guys that are like throw Spoon away. I think you give Spoon an opportunity. I think he's going to learn from what just happened, and I think he'll be a player for them. I'm not concerned about the corners. And the other guy that everyone has forgotten about, if if this guy is healthy, he'll be starting. Jason Verrett. Yeah, I was going to say Verrett. If Verrett is healthy, 
if if Verrett is healthy, and Sher- if Verrett and Sherm are on the other, if they if they are the corners, they will give people fits. If if Verrett is healthy and Sherm is Sherm, they they will be as good as any tandem in the league. Um, and the other guys will have an opportunity to learn from them. So I'm not worried about that. I, I like the secondary period. I like Jimmy. I like Williams. I like everything that they have across the board. I think this that unit plays well together. Um, and then they got, I mean, and then they got 172 high end D linemen in front of them. I know. Yes. <laughs> you know, I'd love to have that D line, Jesus. Oh my goodness, I would have loved. Now I can now, now. That being said, I had some pretty good D linemen. But that's the DB's dream, man, to have that kind of that kind of heat hunting a quarterback. Come on. Okay, let me ask you something because you were you were touching on something I was going to ask you about the fact that you know, unfortunately, you you got benched for the first time, and it just so happened that it was George Seifert. I was going to ask you what was his coaching style like? Was he more of a defensive uh, coach, or did he focus more on offense? Oh, well, you know that George came up on defense. I mean, like the Niners, everyone always talks about Bill Walsh's offense. And Bill Walsh's offense is tremendous. And it has won um, all – I mean, you look at the way the West Coast offense spread around the league, and it has probably had more um, influence on this league and won more championships than any other offense if you really look at the ones that have been at that level. Well, just like George – I mean, uh, Bill Walsh's offense won five – uh, championships for the Niners, then we can go spread it out. Uh, George Seifert's defense that he put together was doing the same thing. I mean, George built that defense and pieced it together, and more and more, and we added on to it and all the time. So he's he's a defensive coach. That's That was the way he earned his stripes. Uh, yes, he has an understanding of offense, but George would run you crazy because he was a defensive coach. Remember, he was a defensive back coach. George when would get I, when I was there, yeah. Yes, George would get on my nerves and right. run me crazy. Right. He would run me crazy every little thing you did because the technique of playing that position, the importance of playing that position, he would critique everything you do. And I hated George. I absolutely hated George. But can, and I and I literally and shoot, as you a remember coach. as a coach and shoot, yeah. you remember when Eddie D took us all over, Mr. D took us all over to Vegas and we had the ring yeah. celebration and all of that and everything, which is one of the greatest things that, that, that an owner, and it, there, there will never, that'll never happen again. There will never be someone who doesn't own a team right. to go back and do what he did for all of us. He and, brought all five Super Bowl teams back to Vegas for one weekend party. Wow. And it was and it was incredible. And I asked him why did he do it, and and this is what he told me. He told me he said, "Well, I was going to bring the first one back because it was their anniversary." And he said, "And I realized that some of the guys on the first one were on the second one." And he said, "And then I realized some of the guys that were on that second one, they were on the third one, and they wouldn't have really understood what it meant right. to be a niner if the guys from the first <laughs> one hadn't taught them." And he said, "And then it just continued on to all of you guys are connected and." We can't celebrate one without celebrating all of us. But he, but we did all of that. But we get there. So now, with, back to George, over there at that, at that, at that um event, I told George. I said, George, I, I literally, and this was the icebreaker for me and George because I'm saying I hated him as a coach. But after after time off, asking you about George, this is how intense he was about everything. I said, George, I want to thank you, 
and he looked at me. He was like, thank, thank you for what? Because me and George had some days out there on the field where we MF the crap out of one another. And, and I said, I want to thank you. And he said, thank you for what? I said, George, I realized something. I said, I wanted the best for me. I wanted the best out of me. I said, I realized you wanted the best for me and you wanted the best out of me. And I said, you know what? I think we achieved that. So thank you. And he just looked at me and I said, yeah. I said, I get it now. I said, thank you. And you know, right. he looked at me with that little smirk he gives you and then he took that deep breath. And he was like, he was like, okay, Eric. Okay. Uh, All right. Man, we, we could do two hours with you, E. But we could, because we're running out of time. I just want to give a, a hats off to and, and mention uh, a solid condolences to uh, the Barbieri family, Ralph Barbieri, the original. Yeah. Uh, passed away uh, within the last 24 hours. I'm known as Richard the Razor Ewing, but he was the first Razor uh, doing sports and talking sports here in the Bay Area. Um, I'm just glad to be a part of this. Um, I've been doing it now for about four years. And one of the reasons why I get to hang out with great guys like like you and, and you too, Mr. Davis. So thank you. Uh, this has been Game Phase on the Bleed Talent Network. Uh, catch us next week and understand, if you come on, you better have your game face on. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.